Section number 56 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Voice of Landis, Zanesville. You can find me at VoiceOfLandis.com. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha Von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 14, Part 1. The Prussians advance on Vienna. Prussian officers quartered at Grimmitz. My brother Otto's warlike ardor. He gets into trouble. A grand dinner to self-invited guests. Sudden engagement of my sister Rosa to Prince Henry von Rus. General felicity and enjoyment. Departure of the Prussians. Outbreak of cholera at Grimmitz. The chateau is infected. First some of the servants, then my sisters, then Otto die of cholera. And lastly, my father dies from heart disease, cursing war with his last breath. Conrad's suicide. There were Prussians quartered everywhere in the neighborhood, and now Grummets had to come into the circle. Though the suspension of hostilities was already in force, and peace was almost certain, Yet general fear and mistrust reigned throughout the people. The idea that these spike-helmeted tigers would tear them to pieces if they could was not easily eradicated out of the people. The three claps of the hand at Nicholsburg had not yet availed to undo the effect of the three claps of the declaration of war and to make the country folk look on the Prussians again in the light of brothers. The very name of the opposing nation gathers round it in wartime a whole host of hateful implied meanings, it is not merely the distinctive name of a nation hostile for the moment, but it becomes the synonym for enemy, and comprises in itself all the repugnance which that word expresses. And so it happened that the folks in the neighborhood trembled, as before wolves broken loose, if a Prussian quartermaster came there to procure lodging for his troops. With some besides fear, hatred also was expressed and these thought that they were discharging a patriotic duty if they did anything to injure a Prussian. If they sent a rifle bullet out of some place of concealment after the foe. This had often taken place, and if the guilty party was caught, he was executed without much circumstance. These examples had the effect of making the people suppress their hatred and receive without opposition the soldiers quartered on them. Then they found, to their no small amazement, that the enemy really consisted of nothing but good-humored, friendly fellows who paid their way honestly. One morning, it was early in August, I was sitting in the bow window of the library and looking out through the open window. From this point was a long view over the surrounding country. I thought I saw from a distance a troop of cavalry moving along the high road in our direction. Prussians coming for quarters was my first thought. I adjusted a telescope which stood in the bow and looked towards the point in question. Right. It was a troop of about ten riders with waving black and white little flags on the points of their lances, and among them a man on foot in hunting costume. Why was he walking in the way between the horses? A prisoner? The glass was not powerful enough. I could not make out whether the man I took for a prisoner might not be one of our own foresters. Still, it was right to warn the inhabitants of the chateau of the fate impending over them. I hastily left the library to look for Papa and Aunt Mary.
I found both in the drawing room. The Prussians are coming. The Prussians are coming, I announced to them breathlessly. One is always glad to be able to be the first to communicate important tidings. Devil take them, was my father's rather inhospitable exclamation. While Aunt Mary hit on the right thing to do, as she said, I will immediately give Frau Walter her orders for the necessary preparations. And where is Otto, I asked. Someone must acquaint him and warn him not to let his hatred of the Prussians peep out anyhow, and not to be uncivil to the guests. Otto is not at home, replied my father. He went out early today after the partridges. You should have seen him. How well his hunting dress sat on him. He grows a fine fellow. My delight is in him. Meanwhile, the house filled with noise. Hasty steps were heard and excited voices. They are come already, those windbags, muttered my father. The door was dashed open, and Franz, the valet de chambre, rushed in. The Prussians, the Prussians, he shouted, in the same tone as one calls, fire, fire. Well, they won't eat us, growled my father. But they are bringing a man with them, a man from Grummets, the man went on in a trembling voice. I do not know who it is. He has fired on them, and who would not like to fire on such a scum? But it is all over with him. Now one heard the tramp of horses and tumult of voices together. We went down to the ground floor and looked through the windows which opened out into the courtyard. At that moment the Uhlans came riding in, and in their midst with pale, defiant face, Otto, my brother. My father uttered a shriek and hurried down the steps. My heart stood still. The scene before us was horrible. If Otto had really fired at the Prussian soldiers, which seemed very like him, I dared not think of the conclusion. I had not the courage to go after my father. Consolation and insistence and all sorrows I always sought from Frederick only. So I collected myself in order to betake myself to Frederick's room. But before I got there, my father came back again, and Otto after him. By their bearing, I saw that the danger was over. The hearing of the matter had given the following result. The shot had been discharged accidentally. When the Uhlans came riding on, Otto wanted to see them close, ran across the field, stumbled, fell down into a ditch, and in doing so, discharged his gun. At the first moment, the statement of the young sportsman was doubted by the men. They took him in their midst and brought him to the chateau as their prisoner. But when it came out that the young gentleman was the son of General Otthaus and was himself a military student, they accepted his explanation. The son of a soldier and himself a future soldier might well fire on hostile soldiers in honorable fight, but not in a time of truce, and not like an assassin. On this speech of my father's, the Prussian subaltern had set the young man free. And are you really innocent? I asked Otto for from your hatred of the Prussians it would not surprise me if... He shook his head. I shall, I trust, have plenty of opportunities in the course of my life to fire at a few of them, but not from behind, not without exposing my heart, too, to their bullets. Bravo, my boy, cried my father, delighted by these words. I could not share his delight. All these phrases in which life, whether one's own or another's, is tossed about so contemptuously and so boastfully, have a repellent tone for me. But I was glad at heart that the matter had passed over thus. 
How horrible would it have been for my poor father if these men had shot down the presumed malefactor without more ado? In that case, the unhappy war by which our house had hitherto been spared would have yet plunged it into misery. The detachment in question had come in the regular way to take up quarters. Schloss Grummets had been selected as the habitation of two colonels and six officers of the Prussian army. The men were to be lodged in the village. Two men were to be set as sentinels in the courtyard of the chateau. An hour or two after the settlement of the quarters, the involuntary and self-invited guests made their entry into our house. We had been prepared for the event for several days, and Frau Walter had seen that all the guest chambers and beds were in readiness. The cook also had laid in plenty of provisions, and the cellar held a sufficient number of full barrels and old bottles. The Prussian gentlemen should not find any scarcity in our house. End of section 56. Recording by Voice of Landis, Zanesville. You can find me at voiceoflandis.com.